Well, boys, we just finished listening to Willie on the ColecoVision's podcast. Kowalski, what is the private Enrico doing over there? They appear to be accessing something called an SNES, sir. Check the net about this SNES. It appears to be some type of entertainment device. There's a file here referring to it. Soul Blazers, the SNES podcast. Awesome. Top drawer, top shelf, top Nintendo. Begin Operation Nintendcast. everyone, this is Greg. Uh, welcome to episode 20 of the Super NES Podcast. I hope this finds you in good health and everything's going well out there. Um, there are going to be some guest hosts coming on to the podcast in the weeks to come. I've been mentioning it on Facebook. and they, um, So I've been trying to get all that lined up. Everything's starting to come together very nicely now. So uh, this is the last episode I'm going to be doing for a while, uh, hopefully, uh, in which I'm going to be like by myself. Um, but I did want to cover this game because this game is one of my all-time favorites. Uh, I'm going to be talking about in this episode uh, the strategy slash simulation slash, uh, slash RPG slash bunch of other stuff. Um, <laughs> uh, um, New Horizons Uncharted Waters by Koei. I believe that's the correct way to pronounce the company name. I've never, I've never actually heard it pronounced, but I believe it's uh, Koei. Uh, it was released in Super NES and other systems uh, back in 1994. So, um, so this game is one that appealed to me 
at a very early age. Uh, as I talked about before in this podcast and other podcasts, uh, I've always been interested in like in very deep games, things like uh, strategy and simulation and RPG and that kind of stuff. Uh, not that I don't enjoy like action games and fighting games and that, that kind of stuff, but I've always I've always wanted to have more deeper gameplay like my stuff. I've talked about before how Civilization and SimCity were really major uh, life-changing influences on me uh, when they came out like, in the early 90s. And, um, and history games particularly were a favorite of mine because I ended up uh, majoring in history. And I have a Master's in American History as a matter of fact. Uh, so anything that combines uh, my love of history with simulation in a video game form is definitely going to be a must-buy for, like, for me. Uh, Koei was started in the late 80s in Japan, and they're mostly known for their series of a, um, uh, uh, Asian slash Japanese uh, games. Uh, particularly, a lot of their games were are, are Japan only, but of the games that have come over to the States, that probably the most famous famous series uh, is the Romance of the Kingdom series. Uh, they're probably best known to more modern gamers today because of the Dynasty Wars uh, franchise. Um, but Koei was always making a whole bunch of very unique games, and not all, and, and none of the games that, that they made were uh, based in Asian culture and history. They did some very Western games also. Uh, and this game here we're going to be talking about in this podcast is one of them. Um, uh, other very good uh, Western Koei games would include uh, uh, Liberty or Death, which has you playing uh, either, uh, either the American or British side during the American Revolution. Uh, the guys in Retro Obscura covered this game uh, a while back in one of the earlier podcasts. Um, there is uh, Lee Emperor for the NES, which allows you to play during the Napoleonic Wars in Europe. Uh, that's a lot of fun. Uh, there is a uh, Aerobiz, and its sequel Aerobiz Supersonic, uh, which came out for the Super NES Genesis, uh, which, had put, which put you in charge of an airplane company. And you get to a uh, open route, buy planes, uh, manage hubs, that kind of stuff. Uh, very fun, like very uh, unique sim game. Um, and then you have a, uh, uh, and then you have New Horizons and its sequel Uncharted Waters, uh, which has you take place during the uh, um, Age of Renaissance, uh, like in the 16th century. So we're gonna get, so we're gonna talk about the game here in a moment. Um, my first experience with the Kui'i game uh, was Nobunaga's Ambition when I got it um, as part of when I got in that first big crop of games that I helped helped recommend and buy for my mom's video store when she when she started to rent NES games like in the late 80s. Uh, Nobunaga's Ambition is a game which has you uh, is a game which has you play during uh, during the Warren States period in Japan uh, during the 16th century. So um, it's your pretty typical strategy game in which you have to build up, uh, build up your land, fight battles, that kind of stuff. Uh, but I love the game. I spent so much time on it. It was certainly very unique. Uh, it really, it really gave me an interest in Japanese history and Japanese culture, which I still have to this day. Uh, it really introduced me to how just to, to introduce me to uh, a console game that could be as sophisticated and complex as a, a complex a, like a computer game. Uh, because this game and many other games were originally released on PC and then were either ported or expanded to consoles when they got released both in Japan and in the West. So, uh, Nomenong's Ambition and sequel I spent I spent a whole bunch of time on uh, as a kid back in the late 80s. So ever, so, ever since then I was a pretty enthusiastic fan of Kui'i's games and, and I buy them like whenever they came out. Um, 
Recently, the company's fallen ahead, the company has fallen upon more hard times. Uh, they merged with Tecmo a while back. Uh, so they're actually it's like the unified company is now actually known as Tecmo Koei these days. Um, but they're still putting out some decent games, um, and they did it. Uh, Koei I did do a few games that were not uh, that were not their typical bread and butter strategy simulation games. Just like Squares put out a few games that have not been RPGs over the years. Uh, for example, they released a, uh, a first-person shooter uh, like the N64. Um, but for the most part, strategy simulation games have been what they've stayed to. So um, I got New Horizons, uh, the, uh, which is the first game of the series uh, for the NES when that like when I originally came out. Uh, that came out in 1991. Um, that game has you. Um, uh, playing as the role of the Jao of Portugal, one of the one of the most principal and, and biggest nations in, in, in Europe at the time, um, in the early 16th century, and the game is a uh, exploration game where you get to stay around the world, make discoveries. Uh, you do a lot of trading uh, to be able to make money um, and to. Uh, bringing goods from Europe, for example, over to Asia, and then like picking up raw goods like silver and, and gold and spices and bringing them back to Europe to sell for huge profits. Uh, you can also do uh, battles um, against pirates and fleets, uh, expand your fleet, uh, get experience, and gain levels uh, like your crew members. Uh, really a very fun, very unique game that blend a whole bunch of stuff together. Um, so, Uncharted Waters, the sequel, it's really kind of expanded version of uh, of New Horizons. Uh, Koei would very often release an upgraded or expanded version a version of their games. Uh, Nomenog's ambition was ported over to the Super NES with better graphics and more options. Uh, Genghis Khan 2 if it is really just really just improved version of Genghis Khan. Aerobiz Supersonic is really just improved version uh, improved version of Aerobiz. Um, so on. This is something the company really liked to do back in those days. Um, I played through um, both uh, Uncharted Waters and New Horizons fairly recently, about a year ago I'd say. Um, New Horizons is fun, but I'm not really sure how well the game holds up anymore these days because I think the Uncharted Waters is a superior game like in every way. Um, if you want to play it, the NES version is quite good. Uh, it also got ported to the Super NES and, and Genesis in 1992. And, and the really only major advantage, uh, the, like advantage of, those, of those versions like it has like better graphics and better music and that kind of stuff. So um, I, I, personally I personally recommend the Super NES or Genesis ports, but the NES version is also, like, is also quite good. Um, so you basically just play the role of Jao like in that game, which you're trying to uh, gain gain fame, make a name for yourself, and there is there is there is a main quest in the game. You you are ultimately tasked with uh, rescuing the princess that they're port to go, and you get to marry her. Um, like in the game that like, you succeed, um, and there is a time limit in the game, but it's very generous. It's something like 30 years, so you basically can just play the game as you want to play it. Um, like a lot of the um, open world uh, games that are available these days, the Mass Effect. Uh, series, Dragon Age, um, Skyrim, whatever. There is a main quest. There's also a whole bunch of side quests that you can do, and just basically just play as you want to play. Um, so, um, uh, Uncharted Waters expanded that upon expanded that like upon like every way, which we'll talk about here in a moment. Um, the game, 
I love the game, and I know other people who I've been able to, to convince to check out the game have really enjoyed it, but the game did not sell very well. It did not sell nowhere near as good as New Horizons did. Uh, and because of that, uh, Kuyai has not released any other games in the series uh, out here in the West. Uh, there was a Gaiden game that was made for this, and there was also Uncharted Waters um, uh, 3 and 4, uh, which was also where it came out, but those games never came out outside of Japan. What has gotten released uh, outside of Japan uh, 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 about, uh, like about four years ago uh, was Uncharted was Waters um, Online, which is a massive multiplayer, uh, a massive player, uh, a role-playing game, which has a lot of the same spirit and gameplay uh, like the original games. Um, it's free to play. I've not tried it out myself yet, mostly because of lack of time and also because I know if I start getting, getting to an MMORPG again, I'm not going to... I'm going to be sucked into it and not going to have any time for anything else. So I'm kind of not doing it on purpose. Kind of the same thing that I'm kind of afraid to check out Minecraft because I'm kind of afraid I'm going to get sucked into that for the same reason. But from what I've heard about it and what I've seen online, um, it looks like a pretty good game. So if you're a fan of Uncharted Waters, I definitely recommend checking it out. Um, it's a free-to-play game, like I said. So um, it definitely, it's, it's, it's really the only new game we're going to get out here in the West as far as the series goes. So... Um, New Horizon, I'm sorry, Uncharted Waters basically expanded upon New Horizons uh, in several ways. Um, one of the biggest changes made to the game uh, was that there's now six scenarios that you can play in the game as opposed to, as opposed to just the one scenario that the original game New Horizons had. Um, and so, and, the, and while there is a main quest to all six scenarios, and while the main quest for, the, for all six, uh, six people are somewhat similar, they usually connect, not always. So there's enough replayability uh, because of your goals and objectives, like for the main quest of each scenario, that's definitely worthwhile uh, playing it again as far as the um, as far as uh, as far as checking out each of the six uh, six guys, you definitely want to do that because there's enough. Like I said, there's there, there's enough different each scenario that you can really put a lot of time into the game. The game's not overly long though. I mean, if you're just kind of focused upon trying to do the side quests and trying to get the main quest done, it, I'd say it takes about eight. To to 12 hours to, fin to finish the game. Uh, you can spend longer on it if you want to, but uh, so it's sort of like a good length without really being like a major, a major huge time sink. Some of the other upgrades that were made in the game were, of course, better graphics, better music. Uh, the original game uh, kind of had a rough scrolling aspect to it, which we kind of like go from screen to screen. Um, whereas with a um, uh, Uncharted Waters, the game like the game scrolls like very uh, even, uh, evenly as you, uh, evenly as you see around the world. So um, this game, this this game, like I said, is a sequel. Um, it takes place. Uh, the game starts. The game starts in 1522. Uh, if you know anything about history, this is during uh, the, so this is during the Great Age of, uh, of exploration, where uh, the European nations were really starting to expand and were trying to colonize and explore the rest of the world. Uh, Columbus had quote-unquote, discovered America for the Europeans in 1492. Uh, historically, during this year, Spain was starting to conquer conquer Mexico and South America and starting to really expand their colonial empire. Um, England was starting to become a major, a major, a major, a major, a, a naval power. Um, so, this is a great setting to have a game based in because they, uh, you basically have the whole world to explore and to be able to, like, to be able to trade and establish relations, to establish relations relations, like that kind of stuff. 
Um, other version of the game, uh, the game was also released on Genesis, uh, which, is pretty, which is pretty identical to the Super NES port, just like the Genesis, the Genesis version of Uncharted Waters is, 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 is identical to Super NES. Just a slight differences in music, graphics, that kind of stuff that you expect to expect to find for a game that's ported to both to both consoles. Um, it was also released in it was also released in Japan for the NEC PC ninety eight, and it also received a Sega Saturn and PlayStation upgrade in in, in, in nineteen ninety six. Uh, because of the poor sales of the game outside of Japan, though, those two versions of the game only stay in Japan. Uh, from what I understand, they have uh, cutscenes and, and voice acting added to the games. Um, you can play this game, however, on the Virtual Console. Um, I'm, I'm quite pleased to find you know, like to find it was on there. Um, it's released like it's available worldwide, uh, so you can definitely check the game on, on Virtual Console. Uh, console, uh, if this review uh, strikes your fancy. Um, or the game's not that expensive to find online. We'll get the eBay pricing, uh, pricing like played in the podcast, or you can always, or you can always just check it out like via emulation if you want to. Um, st- strategy simulation games like this uh, are kind of games I think that are more appropriate for uh, adults to play. Uh, I was kind of an unusual kid. I've always been, like I've always been a very un- unusual gamer because. Um, because I love to read, and this game has a lot of reading in it, just like a lot of uh, 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 early RPGs. There's a lot of text, a lot of information like being thrown at you, so you have to, so you have to, so you have to understand what's going on. Uh, having said that, the learning curve for the game is not that steep. Uh, the controls are pretty easy to pick up. They're pretty easy to pick up and to pick up, and, pick up and get the hang of it. Um, there are there are people in the game. We start off who are willing to give you messages and help, uh, like we're trying to like like trying to get things going. Um, the game's the game's not that not the game's not that difficult to to get into it. Uh, if you're willing to go into it with open mind, if you're willing to go into it uh, with the willingness to do some reading and to accept it's a more slower, plotting-paced game compared to maybe some of the faster stuff you're the faster stuff that you're used to, um, it's really fun. It's a very unique game. I can't really think of anything else quite like this. Uh, Pirates, the classic Sid Meier game, has some certainly has some aspects of a uh, trading and, and, and combat, which which is a game is similar to, but. Um, like I said, this game blends a lot of genres, like very uniquely, that in a formula I've never seen really duplicated like anywhere else. And I think this is one of Koei's best games, uh, also, uh, the, uh, like that effort because of all the work and effort that they put like into the game. Um, the box calls it an RPG. Like I said at the beginning of the podcast, it's not really an RPG. There are RPG. There, there certainly are RPG aspects to it. Um, your main character, and you also you have you also you, and you also have other officers on your uh, on your ship, such as your your first mate and bookkeeper, and like another guys will gain experience as you sail around the world, and like you do combat. So you definitely do gain experience to gain levels, and as you do that, the ships the ships are easier to ships are easier to handle, combats are better, etc. But um, there's also the adventure aspect because you're kind of doing you're going on this big main quest that tells you that you're going around the entire world. Uh, there are simulation parts to it um, because you're, you're because you're basically kind of simulating life during this turbulent 16th century time period. There is a um, tactical ship combats that, that are done during fleets uh, uh, between your fleet and enemy fleet in the open water. So there's definitely some. Uh, t- uh, so, so there's definitely some uh, tactical aspects going on here. There's dueling you can do with enemy captains, 
uh, two ways. The two ways to win naval naval battles is either to sink all the opponent ships or sink their flagship, or you can also board their flagship with your flagship, and your character will get in duel with like the enemy captain. This is influenced by the armor and weapon that you and, and he has, but but this also comes down to basically a card game where you like you pick what well, pick one of six moves that you want to do. And depending upon what your card is versus their card will determine who hits who for how much damage. So there's a flex of the card aspect present like present like in the game also. Um, there's trading in the game. Uh, um, uh, all, 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 all scenarios are encouraged, to, are encouraged to start off with trading at the beginning of the game. Uh, some scenarios emphasize trading more than others, but trading is a must like early in the game to be able to gain the necessary uh, money and experience, the experience that you need to be able to get far in the game. Um, and you also have traditional traditional card games uh, in the pubs if you just want to play some blackjack or poker. So really, this is a really unique blending of a whole bunch of genres, which is why it's kind of hard to pigeonhole this game in a, like one, like one like, uh, specific kind of game. So, I mentioned that there's six scenarios that you can pick from, uh, like in the game. So I'm going to talk about those six scenarios and the pros and cons of each one of those, like briefly, briefly, like right here. Um, the first scenario, and the one that many people are probably going to start off with, simply because that it's the first one uh, that you can select and it has the biggest uh, connection to the original game, uh, like in the series, on um, uh, of Waters. Uh, is Jao Franco. Uh, he is the son of Leon, who was uh, Leon of Franco, who was your main character, i.e., the guy you were playing, uh, like the original game of like Uncharted Waters. So, flex just flex a direct father son uh, sequel connection connection going on here. Uh, he's from Portugal. Um, let me mention briefly, briefly here the six major nations that are present in the game. Uh, these were the six strongest uh, nations historically in Europe in Europe during the early 16th century. You have Portugal, who I just mentioned. Um, you have Spain, which recently, which recently just unified and uh, unified and is going on a very uh, aggressive uh, conquest policy. Uh, like uh, policy in the New World, you have France, um, which is a to, to France, which is also like a very strong, you know, strong nation. Um, Holland, uh, aka the Netherlands, is a relatively new nation that has recently recently got its independence, uh, like the Spaniards. Uh, relatively weak, but a very strong naval force. England is also still a relatively weak, isolated nation at this at this at this point, but with a, but with a strong naval force. You have Turkey, uh, which is actually the Ottoman Empire, but it's called in the game Turkey uh, just to make life easier for everybody. Uh, which was on the rise there on the rise at this point. Uh, at their peak, they controlled all the Middle East, North Africa, uh, and a large part of Southeastern Europe, all the way up to the gates of Vienna. So they're definitely one of the strongest nations of the game. And the last nation is Italy. Now, Italy is wasn't really unified at this point. Italy didn't become unified until the 1860s. Uh, for much for much European history, Italy, like Germany, was simply a, like was simply a mishmash of uh, city states and, uh, 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 and smaller duchies, confederations, and that kind of stuff. Um, I think they're trying to represent Venice in this game because Venice was the strongest of the Italian city states during the 16th century. Um, but the game just calls it Italy. So. Um, uh, each of these, uh, each of the six characters that you can play in these scenarios comes from one of these six nations, i.e., uh, your home nation. 
Um, you can defect to another nation if you want to, uh, but for four out of the six scenarios, defecting defecting to somebody else will break the game, i.e., like will break the main quest. So you won't be able to further like won't be able to finish the game, and you only have 35 years to finish to, to finish the game, which is actually more than more than enough time to, to time to go about things at a leisurely basis. So it's not really all that bad. But just be warned that if you want to defect to somebody else. Uh, for four of the six of them, like, will break the game. So check a walkthrough or something online if you're not sure about, about that. Um, you have certain advantages. Um, you can get, uh, basically, you're representing an agent of your nation as you, as you play the game. So when you, for example, you can invest in towns and like on the continents to be able to increase their uh, friendliness toward your home nation. And if you get it high enough, they'll ally with you, uh, which will increase your nation's power. It will gain you fame, uh, which is important for most of the quests. Um, and it will also give you lower prices. And it will also unlock special, in some cities, uh, unlock special trade goods and special ships that you can build. Um, so, and um, and certain nations will go to war against your nations at various points at various points in the game. So this is so, there's, Definitely a lot to look out for as far as like as far as like knowing which nation that you're which nation that you're representing in this game. Anyway, um, Jao is from Portugal. He is like I said the son of the main character from the main character the main character of like the first game. Um, his main quest is basically consisting of trying to find out why this why this other uh, why this other Spanish uh, Spanish noble uh, pirate woman like Catalina. Wants to kill him so badly. Uh, she kind of dogs you the whole game, and you're trying to find out why. And uh, and and and, uh, and you're also investigating um, investigating as the game goes on these rumors about like you know El Dorado, uh, the Lost City of Gold, and a Neo Atlantis, which is some kind of like Spanish of Spanish base, and like uh, trying to and trying to protect a city in Africa for Africa like a Turkish attack and a whole bunch of other stuff like going on here. So um, it is a very full, rich, like robust quest. It's a very good quest. Uh, like my favorites, my favorites in the game. Uh, Jao is best suited for doing kind of a uh, exploration slash combat game, but his skills are well rounded enough that you basically can play him however that you want to play him. Um, however, I don't recommend doing Jao scenario for the first scenario if you're coming to this game brand new. I, um, if you ever played either this or um, or Uncharted Waters before. So I'd probably recommend doing his scenario second or third. Um, it's a relatively easy scenario, but I will explain later on when I get to somebody else's scenario why I recommend their scenario over this one for starting out the game with if you're a new player. So the second scenario is, that, is, is, scenario is Catalina, who, like I just mentioned. Uh, she's from Spain. Uh, it's like the game starts, she gets word that her uh, fiance and brother have been killed uh, in an attack, which rumor has it came from the private war fleet of the Francos, uh, Jao Franco of Portugal, which is why that she's trying to pursue him like for most of the game. So her main, so her, so her, so her main quest focuses upon vengeance. Uh, therefore, uh, her scenario is mostly emphasized toward doing a lot of fighting. Uh, this is the scenario to play if you want to do a lot of combat, uh, tactical combat uh, with the ships and doing uh, and doing that kind of stuff. So, uh, very heavy combat. Combat, a combat scenario, uh, like for hers. Uh, she's also the only female character, a, a, a character that you can play in the game, as far as the, as far as as far as as far as the six main scenarios. 
Um, it's a good scenario. Uh, it's, it's a lot of fun. I definitely recommend playing this one after Jowls. I think I, I think doing Jowls first kind of kind of makes more sense because you'll get more enjoyment and understanding out of Catalina's scenario if, if you play Jowls first. But um, but if you enjoy combat, this one's definitely the best one to to, to play. The third scenario has you playing the role of Otto, who is an English naval officer. Uh, he is a privateer who's been hired by the King of England, uh, Henry VIII, to try to defeat the Spanish Armada, which historically was something that was happening uh, during this like during this century. England was uh, the, the England was always under danger uh, being attacked by attacked by Spain because England was a Protestant nation, where Spain was very staunchly Catholic. And they were also vying for the same, like the same resources during the age of exploration. So um, there's so like there's a loose historical uh, setting going on here. Um, Otto again because he's privateer, he focuses it focuses a lot he focuses a lot like upon combat. Uh, however, unlike Catalina, it's also it's also possible to do very well with Otto if you do kind of a mix of combat slash exploration slash trading uh, to a, a, a situation a situation to be able to win his uh, to be able to win a scenario. So, um, here's a good one. It's not one of my favorites, but it's a good scenario, and it's definitely one of the more intermediate uh, ones to play. Definitely not one of the scenarios that you start. Uh, start out start out with like your newbie. Um, the scenario I do recommend starting out starting out with first like your newbie uh, because it's very good for how we because it's very good for learning how the game operates and uh, and, uh, and also encourages and emphasizes uh, exploration of the world is Ernest uh, who is Dutch. Uh, he is a teacher and a cartographer. Uh, he has been hired by the uh, famous uh, uh, by, by the famous map maker. Um, Mercado uh, to basically explore the entire world. So his scenario emphasizes uh, exploration. So that's why I said this guy is great to start off with, uh, for, for, uh, for like for first scenario if you're new to the game because uh, because it does because it does emphasize exploration. You're going to learn where everything is in the game, how things operate, that kind of stuff. So um, the ports in the game are all fixed. Uh, that is uh, basically that they all kind of uh, are in the same places uh, like throughout the game. Uh, the game does randomly seed a bunch of villages, though. Uh, one of the ways that you can gain fame, fame, and adventure as you, as you play the game is that you can find these villages. Uh, there's there's 45 of them scattered around the world, and the, and these are randomly uh, drawn from a lot um, as the game starts. Um, so by finding the villages, you can you can land them, send a party ashore, entertain the, the locals with food, uh, and then they'll help you search, and you'll be able to find something there. And depending upon the value of the item you find, whether it's letter grade D, uh, D C, B, A, or star, will you'll be able to turn that in back in your home country to be able to gain uh, fame and or money. So, uh, so exploration is an important part of the game with being able to find these, to find these villages. So anyway, Ernest is great for, uh, for, 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 for your first time in the game because his, his most scenario most encourages the exploration of the world. You'll be able to find these villages and be able to bring back the rewards that you find in them. Uh, so it's a good way of learning how the game operates. Um, the world map of this game is very good looking. Uh, it's pretty realistic. It's better than the first game in the series. Um, 
you can pretty easily recognize what everything is. Uh, like only a slight uh, variance here and there, and most of the cities are right about where they should be located, like in the world. Um, if you're not really that familiar or not that good of geography, uh, playing with a, a, playing with a map. Uh, of either the world or the game, um, which you can find online in Game FAQs, is highly recommended. The game did originally come with a map. Um, so, and like I said, Ernest, because you're because because this scenario does it does emphasize exploring the world. This is a, this is a good one to start out with to get your feet wet, uh, because you'll be able to find out. Uh, because you'll be able to operate, uh, figure out latitude, latitude, and longitude, and figure out some of the locations like the villages can turn up and where all the ports are, and what's good for trading here and there, and that kind of stuff. So it's a very good scenario for, for, for scenario for, like like figuring out the game. Uh, Ernest is also one of the only two guys who you can safely defect to, to defect to another nation, uh, because the Dutch are pretty weak, and you may want to defect somebody else. Uh, you will not break his main quest scenario by doing that. You also will not break the main quest scenario uh, by defecting with the next guy, uh, Ali. Um, um, uh, uh, I'm sorry, uh, Petro. Petro, you're able. Uh, Petro's next to the scenarios. Uh, you are able to defect to somebody else if you want to. If you want to with him also and not break the game. Uh, he's Italian. Um, he is. Uh, he, his game starts with him with him trying to pay off a huge debt left to him by his father. Um, but he's then but he's then hired uh, by the Duchess of Portugal, uh, Jao's mother. Um, she obstinately wants him to explore the world and uh, and uh, make discoveries, very similar to a uh, Ernest's quest, but also with the side quest of also keeping tabs on her son to make sure he's okay. So because of that, you get dragged into the main quest, the, uh, uh, and because of that, your main quest with him drags you into the uh, Jao slash Catalina. Um, uh, aspects. So this game, so whereas Ernest is more kind of on his own doing his own thing, uh, Petro scenario is nice because you get both to explore and to be able to trade, and you also get to and you also get dragged into the more interesting uh, plot-heavy main quest of the other guys. So his scenario is pretty good. I like it a lot. Uh, this is also a nice one to play. Relatively, relatively easy. Not that hard. Um, just uh, money is very tight for you to start off with, but you know, with the, um, but so, um, but you can do very well this one by doing exploration as your main aspect with trading and combat on the side. Uh, the last scenario uh, is Ali, who's a Turkish merchant. So this scenario is the one that you want to play if you want to do a lot of trading in the game. Um, he grew up as an orphan in extreme poverty. Uh, he found he, he finds out he has a sister uh, who's somewhere in the world. So when the game starts, um, you're trying to pay back people who have given you money to get started as a merchant, and you want to find your lost sister. Um, and because of this, you also get dragged into other um, scenarios and quests, like quests also. Most, like I said, most of these most of these scenarios connect with one another. Um, Otto and Ernest have the least connection uh, as far as the interlocking uh, the interlocking main quests, but the, but all six scenarios have main quests. Um, Ali's is a pretty tough one. I think this one's probably the probably next to. I think Otto and Ali are probably the hardest scenarios in the game. So I would save these for last, only because that they're that the, 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 only because they require knowledge of the world map and how the game operates, and they're also the most difficult to do. So. Um, this one, like I said, it really emphasizes, uh, like emphasizes uh, trading. So, um, 
So when the game starts, you have your guy, you have your ship, you have your first mate, and you're, and you're basically free to do what you want to do. The game will give you some pointers and give you some guidelines for, for starting off with the main quest or getting your game things going. What's up to you is what you want to do. Um, you can go trading, uh, which is always a good thing to do to, good thing to, do, to start. Um, buy some goods in your home port, sell, sell somewhere else, sell for profit, buy stuff in their ports, so bring it back to yours. Um, re, uh, and, and rinse and repeat. Uh, make money that way. Trading is very good. Uh, everybody should do some trading. Uh, trading at least a little, at least for a little while. Start of the game to get to get money and or experience because you really don't want to do any combat missions or really go too far from Europe until you get some levels uh, like under your belt as far as as far as your combat and navigation skills go. So um, you can also um, uh, there's also combat like I said. You can attack pirates. You can also be a pirate yourself if you want to and attack merchant fleets belonging uh, merchant fleets belonging to belonging to, to other nations. Pirates, like I said, is emphasized more in some scenarios than others. But pirates is definitely like a lot of fun to do. So um, it's, you can also go exploring. Uh, like I said, there's a huge, great world out there like for you to find. Um, so you can basically sail all around the world. All the land masses are very, like, are very recognizable. There's ports around the world. There's either major ports, which are, which are full-fledged cities, where you can use cities, like the trade ports, where all you can really do is just simply restock and, and flying repair your ships. Um, you're able to eventually have a fleet of ten ships, like under your command. You're also able to hire hire officers um, in pubs in the towns of the uh, in the towns of the game, or you can also uh, recruit them after you beat them in battle. So um, you definitely you definitely like want to do that. So there's a lot of things you can do in the game: exploration, trading, combat, um, all very viable options. Um, so I. Uh, uh, so it's uh, so it's really the open the open the open nature of the game uh, within the confines of the, of the overarching main quest is definitely one of the things that makes the game like the most fun to play. So um, you are also able to um, uh, you're also like you're also able to buy items and uh, items and, uh, and like the item shops and towns. You're able to buy weapons and armor upgrades to be able to improve your characters your character skill and prowess in battle. Um, there is the um, when your fame when your fame raises rises up, you can also do missions for like for your king uh, to be able to gain fame and money and adventure uh, and adventure uh, and adventure credit that way. You're also able to you're also able to a um, to sign a contract with a map maker in certain towns where you can sort of make discoveries. You can turn in knowledge of said discoveries to them. Um, and you can also, um, and in the pubs, you can also like recruit crew members. Uh, you can take play cards, like I said. You can also flirt with the uh, with the uh, waitresses and give them gifts uh, in return. Once they like you enough, they'll give you information um, about certain things going on, and they're good certain things going on, like in the game. Um, I'll give you guys a hint. Uh, if you're in town uh, between the hours of four and eight a.m., you're able to visit the weapon shop, and the weapon shop will the weapon shop will sell certain items only uh, during those you know during those four hours. So the game's always in progress. Uh, you're able to there's different things to do in town in, in night like versus day. Uh, so there's definitely day night cycle. There's a cycle is important as it's important as far as the game goes. So, um, like I said, the graphics of the game are quite good. Uh, the land masses are are easily recognizable. The world, the, the world, the world's pretty spot on with how they like how they drew it. Um, music in the game, there's not a lot of it, 
Uh, but the tunes that are present here are good. They're nice. They fit the time period. Uh, there's some very beautiful piano, piano like sounding pieces in the game. Uh, also, so, like also, so, also some flute and some string instrument uh, pieces. Um, so very good music. Um, it, so it, it's good. It's not earwormy, but it's good enough music that it kind of keeps you entertained, uh, like you're playing the game. So, um, like I said earlier, the controls are the controls are easy to pick up. Um, there is a uh, the ability to, the ability, ability to save the game, uh, like the battery backup, and you can save the game anytime you want to, uh, like in town or uh, the, the, uh, like in town, um, uh, in towns or when you're on your ships. So that's always like. I thought like you know very nice. Um, the Super NES version of the game is noted is noted by by many people noted noted by many folks to have the best the best quality, the best sounding music of the uh, music of, uh, of the game compared to other ports uh, because of the uh, because of the sound hardware uh, that the Super NES um, like has in it. So um, some secrets of the game: uh, it's possible to be able to never get attacked in the game if you want to by pirates because if you, because pirates will attack you, and if you get and if you anger certain nations enough, they'll send the they'll send warships out, out to attack you. Um, there's a way you can stop pirates from pirates at least like attacking you though. If you enter, if you start the game and if you start the game and enter uh, as your character's name uh, because you. Because you can rename your character, uh, if you rename him to Blackbeard, that's Black Space Beard, uh, no pirates will attack you. Um, if you want to be able to do a kind of a cheat to be able to get some easy money in the game, uh, take the collect debt job at the Guild in Venice. Uh, when you collect uh, five gold ingots, deposit them in a bank, then go back to Venice and the bank will say that you failed a job. Um, so you won't get any fame or a fame, a fame or a bonus for doing the for doing the quest, but you'll be able, uh, uh, to, be able to keep the money uh, that you deposit in the bank. Um, so keep rinsing, repeating for that uh, for as long as you want to be able to get as much money as you want. Uh, only do this in the beginning of the game though before you have any fame, because obviously otherwise this will cause you to lose fame. So. Um, when you're in battle, if it's not your turn, if you hold down the if you hold down the Y button, you like speed up the battle pace. Uh, this, is, this is something that's not documented. Um, I like I like the manual, so it's a so it's a, so it's a handy thing to know. Um, like I said before, this game is not that common, but not that expensive either, like an eBay because they're, they're, because because it's kind of an obscure game. I found a um, 23 copies of this game. Um, that were uh, that are currently being sell, uh, are currently up for sale with 30 copies that I did recently sell. Uh, you can pick up a card only in the game. These prices include shipping uh, for 23.50 to 37.30, which is not that which is not that bad for like as far as Super NES game goes. Uh, CIB copies are not that much more expensive. 37.50 like up to 52 bucks. And again, sealed games. I, there were two copies of the game that were still sealed. I, uh, uh, I sold for two hundred ten dollars, uh, like thereabouts, recently. So it's amazing that there were some sealed copies of this game still floating around. So um, in conclusion, yeah, uh, if you've stayed away from Koei in the past because of their reputation as being maybe the reputation as being just a boring, uh, boring, dry uh, Eastern history uh, game company, I highly recommend checking out this game. Uh, it's very unique. It's a lot of fun. Um, I know a couple of people like Chad, the former co-host of the podcast, with me. Uh, like and also like and also Aaron Hickman of Retro Obscura had, 
uh, I said this week how much they enjoy playing this game. So um, it's definitely a very fun, very unique game. The six scenarios, like I said, really give you a lot of flight, really give you a lot of like uh, replayability to the game. So you're, there, there's open-endedness with also the main quest I can help you out with. Um, and the, um, the gameplay is the gameplay's fun, it's addictive. Uh, it's not that hard to pick up and play. The controls are the controls are pretty easy. So um, if you have any interest at all in doing things like trading or combat or exploring and that kind of stuff, I highly recommend checking out this game. I, um, I, the, uh, it's not that expensive to get, like I said. It, um, if you want to get, pick up a physical copy, and it is available, it is available on Virtual Console. So I highly recommend checking out this game. So, we're going to be going from a obs more obscure game to a very popular game with next week's podcast. Uh, I'm going to have a co-host here with me, um, a co-host with me here, uh, like in the podcast. I'm not going to announce uh, who it is yet uh, at this point, at this point, because I'm still trying to finalize uh, the exact, the exact demon time, the exact demon time that Seth going to record. But we are going to have a guest host, um, and I will announce this. Uh, announced it officially, uh, officially, uh, officially in a couple of days uh, on Facebook. I just, I just don't want to say it now in case anything changes. But I'm 99% sure that this is going to happen, and 99% sure the game we're going to be talking about is going to be one of the killer apps for the Super NES. Uh, the very famous, the very popular, the very infamous Street Fighter II, uh, the World Warriors, the first, the, the the first version of the the first the first version of the game that came out for the Super NES in, 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 uh, back in '92. Uh, this is definitely a, a, a reason a lot of a lot of people bought the Super NES. I know a lot of uh, I know a lot of friends who I had who had back then who purchased the system just to purchase the system just to play this game, uh, and it's an excellent port, like the original arcade game. And the fact it was and the fact took the fact took, the fact that it took almost a year for the game to come on Genesis, really was a major feather in the, a feather of like Nintendo's cap as far as as far as having exclusive available like available on the console. Back when exclusives really meant something, they don't really mean it means much anymore because these days because there, because there really aren't too many more exclusives. But uh, back to back to back to back to this time period, this is the game that helped to that helped to that helped to that helped make the Super NES a series contender uh, to Sega and Sonic the Hedgehog. So um, definitely a very popular game. Definitely one I'm sure a lot of a lot of folks out there have played or like a played or liked. So it's it's, just, it's like it's gonna be fun talking about the game. So um, I want to thank everybody out there again like for the support. Um, I'm gonna be doing the podcast. Uh, in case you haven't heard it, in case you haven't heard or, or seen the postings on Facebook, I'm doing the podcast now bi-weekly uh, because of real life commitments and that kind of stuff. But um, I am committed to doing the podcast still, and I'm very open to hearing about games that you like to have talked about in the podcast, uh, popular or not, obscure or not. Uh, doesn't really, you know, doesn't really matter. Um, if you'd like to suggest a game, or, or if you'd like to come on to the podcast to talk about said game, uh, please let me know. You can. Either, uh, you, so you can reach me on Facebook, or you can also send me an email to the Super NES Podcast at yahoo.com. Um, you can also find the podcast on Stitcher and iTunes. And I thank you again very much out there, like for your support and for your enthusiasm, uh, like the podcast. Uh, I'm getting a lot of good feedback recently, and it really means a lot to me. So I appreciate everybody listening to this. Um, again, I really, I really recommend checking out this game. Like even this game is not your. Like this game is not like it's not traditionally something that you think that, that you think that you would enjoy. Um, uh, New Horizons is definitely a very fun, like very unique game. I think it's still as much fun to play now as it was back when it first came out. Back in 
back in '94. So we'll see you again. We'll see you again in two weeks. And thank you very much, all. Take care. Nintendo controls 80% of the video market. But no matter how you play the game or which game you play, things definitely have come a long way since Pac-Man. Now you're playing with power. Deep of power.